Hello, my name's Luke Mitchell. Welcome to Founder Chats with Be Purple, the University of Brighton's entrepreneurship support service. In this series, we interview business owners, many of them graduates of the university, most of them in the first five years of their ventures, to find out the secrets of their success so far. How did they get started? What challenges have they faced and how did they overcome them? And what advice and inspiration can they offer to others looking to go it alone? In this eighth episode, I meet with Kat Rose, aka the creative introvert. Brighton-based Kat is a digital entrepreneur who has spoken at Be Purple events in the past. She began her career working as a web designer, commuting up to an office in London, working 9 to 5, with the occasional day working at home. She began to notice how drained and creatively exhausted she felt working in an office environment compared to how fresh and productive she felt designing at home. This observation kick-started her journey, helping creative introverts bring out the best in themselves. Kat has her own excellent podcast called The Creative Introvert, which you can find at iTunes and Stitcher. I met her downstairs in Cafe Trafé on Trafalgar Street in Brighton. And incidentally, this is a space that now hosts Brighton's first serial cafe, set up by two graduates of the University of Brighton. So do get down there and get your fix of lucky charms. Here's Kat Rose. Do you want to tell us what you studied at university and why you chose to study that? Yeah, actually that's a good place to start because I had originally always wanted to do illustration um, and I say always, as soon as I knew what an illustrator was, up until that point I was like, I want to draw things for a living. Um, I kind of worked out during my A-levels that maybe graphic design would be a bit easier to get work in. And I was pretty, I liked kind of fiddling around with fonts on my dad's computer and stuff like that. Uh, and so I, I figured that's all it was. And when I heard that Reading did a, um, a course called Graphic Communication and Typography, uh, I was like, okay, that's great. I can play with fonts. This is fantastic. I don't know what else I'll be doing, but that sounds good enough. So that kind of made my decision. Uh, Reading also has a very nice campus and my friends, a few of my friends were going there. So it was a bit of a no-brainer, but uh, I still had this kind of passion for illustration. I just figured I'd be able to make a hobby out of it, maybe. Um, yeah, so that's, that was m- my decision there. The thing is, the course itself was very heavy on the history of printmaking and design. And while that was very interesting, and I'd definitely geek out on that today, I wouldn't necessarily say that it was very helpful in work. Uh, one thing that was very helpful in work was overhearing some third-year students who said that all the jobs are in web design. And I kind of heard that and I I freaked out a little bit because we hadn't really been taught much about web design, if if anything. And I made it my mission for my final year project to build a website. And somehow I managed to do that kind of from scratch. Luckily I had some friends who did computer science, so they were like, if I was stuck on something, they would help. and yeah, the lecturers loved that, and I kind of thought, hey, maybe this is something that I can I can do. And, mm-hmm. What was um, the website? It was called Hearsay, <laughs> and as it yeah Hearsay, I like a pun. Um, <laughs> and the idea was a, I think it was like a portfolio site that met, um, combined art and music. So I guess it was like my version of 
MySpace meets like Behance and all of that. And everyone had profiles. So I think it was, and this is like in the earlier days of social media and stuff like that. So that was the idea and I think people liked it. Um, and also around the same time, so by the time I was in my third year, I actually saw a tweet from the company Behance on their jobs boards and that was for a junior, um, I think it, yeah, it's actually an internship for a junior web designer and so I went for that and got that. So it all kind of, that web design thing I kind of fell into very quickly at uni. Okay. Um, so you left uni, you did an internship. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened, how long did you do that for and then what was the career path after that? Um, so I, that was a three month internship, which could have, it did turn into a full time job, but they weren't very generous with their pay. Um, and this is in London and I thought, you know, screw this, I'm sure I can find a better website agency, which I did. And that was a great little agency. Um, there were only two guys there to begin with, and I myself as a uh, just a web designer. And I stayed with them for three years while they kind of grew. Um, and yeah, while I liked the work technically, I liked design things um, <laughs> basically, and I I learned a lot. I also found that the actual setup, uh, the idea of going into work nine to five or whatever, um, actually they, a lot of agencies in London were harsher with their hours. These guys were pretty, pretty flexible, um, and it was just the commute and maybe being stuck in one place all day. Which I get it. I get it that it's the majority of people uh, have, having to do that. But I thought there must be another way. This isn't sitting well with me. Um, I'm pretty much dead by lunchtime and. Yeah, there must be another way and I think at some point somebody pointed out that I could go freelance and you know design, illustration, these are all kinds of jobs that technically you can do from wherever. So I sniffed that out mm-hmm. at about year three on that. What, you've been working for three years? And... At, yeah, the agency. And okay. I'd had a few conversations with my boss who knew I wasn't totally happy with just everything about the job really, mm-hmm. apart from the people, the people were lovely. Um, uh, but he couldn't. He couldn't l- allow me to do like half time or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they really did want me in the office. So I said, let's amicably part, uh, part ways. Mm-hmm. And I went to Japan for a few weeks and kind of went on my like little path of self discovery, mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I'll clear my head, have a nice time, and give my. I had about six months of pay to last me. Um, as a freelancer, and even if I didn't get any work, basically, I thought, okay, if if this doesn't work after six months, and I don't find that I'm making enough money to, you know, rent in London, which is obviously expensive, uh, then I'll have to get a full-time job again, and that's kind of what I committed to. Okay. So tell us about those early days of freelancing. Yeah. So it's weirdly, I, I I wish I could rem- remember them better. I do know that. I had no real structure in those early days. I figured I've just left structure and routine. That's the whole point of why I'm doing this. I should be able to work whenever and however I want. I should be able to work in my pajamas, in bed, and everything will be fine. And ultimately for me, that that doesn't work. Um, I don't get a kick out of that. It just I feel that I do have to have some amount of routine, and maybe even more routine than somebody who's working in nine to five, because I have to impose it on myself. Uh, but at, at the actual kind of work that I was doing, um, luckily that company, so the agency that I spent three years with, they would send me some work and hire me as a, a basically their freelancer. So I was really fortunate for that. 
the problem is I didn't leave with any other contacts, which I really could have been doing. You know, I could have at least in that li a year leading up to me leaving to start making connections. But um, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about this. I just thought that by having my own like portfolio site, make that all very nice that I'd be able to get work. People would just come to me. Um, and I had no concept of the people behind the jobs. So any brief that is out there, any company, any agency that might need me, I kind of forgot that there are people there. And uh, simple things like meeting somebody um, randomly at, I don't like to talk about networking events, but you know, some kind of outside event, um, striking up a relationship with them that way could have gone a long way. Um, even emails, which, I, I think I might have um, sent out some emails to some like both design agencies and maybe illustration agencies and had no idea really what I was doing. I kind of had a very stock um, template and I would kind of send a few lines and attach my portfolio and obviously I didn't hear back because I wasn't really talking to them like they were real people. Uh, other things that I would do, I, I did go to some networking events. There was one, um, which I think is still in, um, still going on, called Yo Illo, and that was for illustrators. And obviously, I wasn't an illustrator, but I had these ambitions um, to illustrate. And while I was still doing web design, I also set up my own kind of more personal illustration site. And I basically just drew, drew anything I want, anything I wanted. So a lot of the time, that was like little cartoon animals and it was pretty random and I didn't really know that you know a good illustration website should really have some kind of um, overall style or theme or you know the idea of doing uh, putting together a portfolio that is aimed at your target audience or whoever you want to be buying this thing kind of didn't really um, occur to me in these early days uh, so I think a lot of the things I was doing was very scattergun um, but I was learning in that time, and I think I wasn't really reflecting on that, but I realised now I was gathering a lot of information. And one of the things that I was realising was that all of these illustrators, all of these creatives, including myself, we just, even if we knew how to market ourselves, we weren't doing it for ourselves. Um, we just wanted to make work and make art, basically. Um, and most people who uh, went to uni to study design or illustration hadn't really learnt too much about the um, the marketing end of things, or and I guess which which is always changing thanks to social media, which was not as big as it is now, um, and just all of these other things that you could be doing uh, to promote yourself. I think the best we knew was you know make a nice postcard and send it out to a load of agencies, and that kind of I think didn't maybe stop working, but it wasn't as effective um, at that point. Um, yeah, so, so there was this kind of personality thing combined with just a lack of knowledge mm. um, that I saw in a lot of creatives. And I think that's when Cogs started turning and I was like, this is a problem uh, for myself and for others. And I know that there's some way that we can fix it. Um, and that led to a lot of, um, I guess, it, it, at some point, maybe this was maybe a year into freelancing. I started listening to podcasts and a lot of them were to do with marketing, small business, um, freelancing and I was learning skills that I just didn't have at uni mm -hmm. and all of this content was free and it was incredibly valuable um, so I really started digging into that and just learning as much as I could about marketing and, and the mindset behind that 
um, and all of the kind of strategy stuff, which actually I found quite exciting. Yeah. So did you change anything about how you um, went about marketing your freelance services? So this is interesting. So I think I did that a lot slower than I could have because, and I still believe this to be the case, it's much easier to market somebody else than it is to market yourself. So while I was kind of learning all of this stuff um, and talking to other people about it, I think I was pretty slow at, at actually implementing it, but ultimately I did. So, and I think I started, I'm just thinking when things really changed for me, because I was still um, relying a lot on agencies getting me work, but the work that they were getting me, again, I was getting called into offices and so I should say about the introvert thing, um, yeah. let's introduce that. So. What I'd worked out, actually a friend of mine pointed out to me that the reason I hated going into these um, open plan office spaces and working set hours was maybe to do with me being an introvert. And at first I really denied this. I thought, you know, I'm, I, I was definitely a shy kid, but I worked on that and I felt like I was fairly um, socially um, able, I guess. Uh, and then he clarified what at least his definition and um, I believe the original Jungian version of introvert was which is more to do with how you get your energy and how you recharge and so the idea that an introvert sure they can be around people and can socialize um, but they might have a bit more of a time limit and their energy will decline uh, after being around a big group of people for a certain amount of time and so they recharge by being on their own and that definitely made sense to me I was definitely in that um, category um, and so I realized, okay, so if this is me and, you know, we could sort of endlessly about, you know, being an introvert might label you and limit you, but honestly, it was just a way for me to understand a few little traits and preferences about myself. Um, and I got quite into personality psychology and stuff like that. Uh, and I thought, well, I'm not going to change. I quite like how I am um, and maybe I can change a few things but really I need to adapt um, my environment. I need to make sure that the work I'm doing and the way I'm doing it and pretty much everything about my life um, is more suited to me uh, at least now and, and kind of just see it in this more evolving way as opposed to oh I just have to mould myself um, into somebody else's um, you know expectations and demands. So that's that's when I realised I wanted to do more and more stuff um, online and I really did want to work from home and the idea of getting uh, contractors out to other companies just wasn't suiting me. Um, but it wasn't until I think I moved to Brighton, which was a couple of years ago, that things, I really started to, you know, um, uh, kind of just like take my own medicine effectively. Um, so everything that I was learning and doing for clients, I really started to Im implement. and. That ranged from, I would go to networking events, but I was very specific about the kind of events I'd go to because I realized that a lot of the more business um, networking events, and there are some really lovely ones in Brighton, uh, they were too extroverted for me and they did leave me feeling drained. And honestly, I didn't get any real work from them because I wasn't doing a good job um, because I was not in, I, I don't know, I wasn't feeling comfortable in them. But when I started going to more seminars and workshops um, and talks, which again, there are plenty of in Brighton and especially in London, any city, um, to do with whether it's 
design or marketing illustration, anything that I was interested in, I'd go along and talk to um, people there who were going to be more interested in the things that I was interested in, which helped, which was helpful, not just for getting work, but just for making friends. And uh, in, in a few cases, I spoke to the people who were actually leading the workshops or giving the talks and came up with kind of creative ways to um, kind of speak to them. Uh, because at the event, again, I'm not going to do my best work at the event. I might be able to say hello and thank you and have a bit of a chat with them. But the real um, bonus for me was being able to send a really good email afterwards. So I should say in this time I was blogging and I've blogged about various different things, but I definitely um, honed my writing skills in this time and managed to find, I guess, what a writer would call their voice, um, which isn't particularly professional. It's just kind of a way of expressing myself um, through the written word, which I will say that introverts are great at. Right. Were you blogging out of your your freelance brand website? You, the cre Creative right. Introvert didn't exist at this point? Mm, so it did it this point so I should say that the creative interest existed for maybe three years um, but before that I had a health and fitness blog so it's completely different this is an interest that came about because I was arguing with my boss about something and uh, this is and my boss being from the agency uh, back in the day so this blog cat food is good for you went on for about five years maybe uh, so that's where I really learned um, how to write and uh, got to blog for the Huffington Post and I, I really enjoyed that but honestly for me it was never I was never able to really monetize that um, but yes so I did start blogging on my freelance site which originally was just a portfolio site but that actually morphed into the creative introvert okay. so I was blogging less about here's how to you know uh, you know, make your site rank in Google or something. And I kind of went away from technical stuff and more towards the stuff I was learning from the psychological world and talking about personality types and how introversion, how things might be different for introverts. So that, so I was kind of doing that, not really thinking that that would really turn into anything beyond um, just a bit of a hobby and a bit of a, uh, a, a kind of spin on the t standard blog that you might get on a designer's portfolio. Uh, so yeah, I, I developed my writing style and I started sending these email pitches. So say if I met somebody at a networking event, I could then follow up with a cracking email that was clearly written by a real person. And I think in one or two cases I left, I just, I, I wrote my email, but instead of writing it, I recorded it as a voice message. And that actually had really good um, effect because people obviously don't normally get voice messages. and. That's something kind of. How can you not listen to that? Okay. Whereas an well, so you email, send it in email form, but with an yes, a, an attachment oh, to interesting. it, which is a bit risky because sometimes uh, people don't want to open attachments, so it's obviously a risk. But uh, it's definitely worth a go. I think I don't think many people are doing that. So yeah, um, Brian taught me a lot for just actually doing, uh, tr trying out all of these ideas I've been writing about, um, and starting to realize the importance of people basically that's like i moved to brighton alone and well i thought that would be fine because oh i'm an introvert I, I can do it all myself and i'll get work and um honestly the, the things that made the biggest difference has been uh people and just like for example i set up a meetup group right and so this meetup group was great because i was just using it as something to do on a saturday morning and while I did want to meet other creative people and just have a kind of very 
uh, a nice couple of hours. You know, I limited it so it was introvert friendly. Um, and uh, through that, I've met some, you know, some of my best friends as well as um, mentors, and uh, have gotten work from it ultimately just because of how things develop. And uh, I, well, I wouldn't say that anyone kind of became a client like like that. I oh, because I was never using this meetup to pitch or anything. But I will say that just through these random connections and somebody knowing somebody, that's where all the magic has happened. And I just never did that in London. I just I didn't see that as a way in. I I guess it, you could call it serendipity or whatever. I, I've left no room for that. Um, but I think that's that's changed a lot for me. Okay. And during this time, are you building up an audience, like an online audience yes. for your work? Yeah. Yeah, so again, that was happening slowly with the blog, very slowly, and maybe this is just a marker of the how times have kind of changed and blogs were becoming less read, um, but a year and a bit ago I started a podcast, which more or less was because I was listening to so many podcasts, and it clicked to me that everything that I'd learned and was most useful hadn't been really in blogs, even though I still read them but it was really in all the podcasts I listened to. And, you know, I, I think it's because you get a sense of the person a bit more. Um, and for many of us, it's just a bit easier to digest and it's quicker, you can be doing it while you're doing something else. So I would go for a walk and listen to a podcast, come back, learn something new or have a new idea. And um, it just seemed really valuable for me. And so I thought, why not do that for other people? So that's when I started the Creative Introvert podcast. And it was mostly, it started off just I'd write a blog post and read it out. It, that, that's pretty much the extent of it. Um, but I'd also interview people. And um, recently, this year, I started a little midweek bonus episode, which is documenting my year of fun. And this is kind of, um, it's basically, that's a pet project. But I thought it would be interesting to show um, how this introvert is kind of pushing herself to do more um, both like spontaneous things, um, things that involve people or involve challenging me socially, um, challenging me energetically, and just seeing um, where or what my real definition for fun is. And I think, I think, I mean, mainly because it, it's a bit self-indulgent, self-indulgent, but hopefully it'll be helpful for people who do want to step a little bit outside their comfort zone. Because I think a lot of my more recent successes in work have just been from that stepping outside of my comfort zone do you get any feedback from your audience yes so while my blog never really got that many comments it would you know the odd post would get a few um it's the podcast that really started i think people feeling like they could reach out and email me and i get these amazing emails and it's probably the thing that's keeps me going more than anything else is um, people from literally all over the world saying hey I've read this oh my god me too I think that's the not the me too movement but like this is a the me too introvert movement which is people hearing something and being like yes um, I'm so glad that you said it because I've been thinking this and I think that was how I felt when I started talking to other creatives about you know the struggles that we do have and um, they're not that they're not technical struggles, they are emotional, psychological struggles. Um, and whether that's from like creating the work in the first place, um, procrastinating, imposter syndrome, all of these things that, um, I mean, you don't have to be creative to, or work in these sort of, you know, visual creative uh, areas to feel that. I think 
these things um, affect everyone, but I, I think what I'm trying to do is talk about it specifically in terms of the in, in the industry and actually making a career out of creative work and the challenges that people face in that. And I think fairly recently you've started to develop other products around this content, so yes. on, online um, courses. Yes, well, and tell us a bit about that. it all kind of started really um, with a Facebook group. My idea for the Facebook group was um, it came about because I actually did the Princess Trust Enterprise Programme, which I'd massively recommend to anyone. I think it's between maybe 18 to 30. Um, and you basically, they, they teach you how to kind of effectively set up a business and um, provide you with mentorship. And I had, there was a great mentor who, who's still there, Danny Richmond, shout out to him, uh, who set up a Facebook group for um, some of these Princess Trust folk. And it, he was just so helpful on it as a Facebook um, group administrator uh, and as well the community. So everyone would be really helpful. and. Um, it just really showed me what happens when there's a group of like minds who are all trying to do similar but different things and just the amount of um, just knowledge and um, support people can share. But what I couldn't find was something that was for creatives, maybe illustrators, designers, writers who also shared the kind of problems that I had around introversion and um, various um, just challenges, uh, creative block and stuff like that. So I started one called the League of Creative Introverts and ultimately I grew that into uh, a membership site. So people would pay um, a monthly membership, obviously get access to the group, but also have access to a library of resources. And by resources, I mean, I'll make videos, um, record audios and write, you know, um, guides basically in workbooks to kind of help people through these specific issues that I've been, you know, dealing with over the years and helping other people through. Um, and I think it was just a way of creating a place that I knew it was going to be a quiet place because uh, I know that I've been a member of many Facebook groups and I'm not going to be one of the more vocal people. Um, so I've basically got a group of people who many of them aren't the more vocal people. But I do know from um, private messages and stuff that it's very helpful for people. Uh, and what I'd really like to do is just encourage people more to collaborate and, you know, use each other for support um, because it's very tempting as an introvert to try and do everything yourself, but um, that's not really where the magic lies, basically. Mm -hmm. it's like um, and as for courses, yes, so I've done um, one, one was kind of a very, like, an overview of basically getting your art out into the world, which is called Get Your Art Out, which is funny. Um, and the email answer, which was specifically about my email technique for pitching, uh, you know, whether it's agencies, um, press, and all of that. So that's, those are the two courses that I've worked on so far. But um, And what have been your learnings, you know, moving into that world? A really big one was, I mean, people talk about, you know, know your audience and test it out first. And I kind of thought, do I have to? It's really hard, especially when your audience is basically either nothing or very small, or like, you know, sending a, a survey to people saying, hey, do you like this? Would you pay for this? That's very different. That's very different information than what happens in reality. 
because I did all of that. I did the kind of surveying and I used Facebook groups a lot for that to kind of gather information. But when it came to asking for the sale, those buys weren't there. People weren't as motivated as I thought they were. And that happens a lot in particularly in creating something online, whether it's an online course or a physical product. And oh God, it's even worse if it's a physical product because I've done this too at university. I printed out a load of t-shirts, obviously didn't sell hardly any of them. So then you're left with a load of stock and it can feel just as painful when it's a digital product. So what I would say is, um, and so I did this with the email answer. I had the idea, but rather than creating the entire course, I just made a nice landing page, explained everything that I was going to do in the course and gave people a time to buy it in. So I kind of set a deadline and I thought, they don't buy by this time, then I won't make it. And I got a few sales and I thought, okay, I better make it now. Um, so that method of actually getting people to put their money where their mouth is was so, so valuable for me. And I think there are lots of uh, ways people can do that now, whether it's crowdfunding um, and just making sure that people aren't taking too big a risk in those early days because it can be tempting to run away with an idea and uh, and even the theory of stuff and this is kind of why I always I think business plans are great but always to look at them a little bit um, hold them loosely you know you can have all the greatest plans in the world but when it comes to it if, if people aren't willing to buy or just something goes a bit wrong or something's more expensive than it you thought it would be um, there's nothing like running little experiments basically yeah so I'm all about the little experiments <laughs> Okay. Uh, so how long is it now since you left the agency in London and have been basically fending for yourself? Um, yeah, five years. Five years. Okay. So what were the key? What are the key drivers in your success to keep going for five years? What keeps you going? Yeah, a couple of. Okay, that's interesting because I was reflecting on that the other day and I was like, oh yeah, it did work, <laughs> or at least so far so good. Um, one of the more recent ones, and I, I guess I have spoken about this a bit, but it is to talk to people, real life people, and to get used to, I would say that asking isn't as important as giving people things, but uh, I do think that introverts in general need a bit more push with the asking um, side of things. So say if you need um, advice about something, yes, you, you can send an email to ask somebody, oh, can I, you know, pick your brain or something. But that also does feel like you're wasting somebody's time and why should they give you their time? So what's really been helpful for me is always to think what's in it for them and to get really creative around that. Um, quick side note, um, I had this wacky idea a few years back to set up a, a food business importing this obscure Chinese sweetener into the UK. <laughs> and uh, it will happen one day, um, but anyway. But I didn't know anything about food companies, so I um, emailed a load of startup food companies in the UK saying, hey, like, can I ask you a few questions and basically interview you for the Huffington Post? So th there was something in it for them. I got to promote them on the Huffington Post, but I also got to um, serve my own needs and ask them the questions that I wanted to know about setting up a food company. Very, very helpful. So always thinking about this kind of win-win thing and getting creative with that. Um, that experimental approach has been really helpful for me. Um, so rather than seeing everything as, you know, I need to get from here to there, and there is one way of doing that, and if it doesn't work, then it's a failure. That's kind of not how I see things anymore. I see, I see things as, okay, I've got a hypothesis, it would be nice if that happens, but I'm gonna kind of go out to, I guess the scientists almost try to disprove their hypothesis by um, trying various things, and 
you know, having... I guess as soon as I put that experimental cap on, I feel a lot less attached to the outcome. So that's been helpful for me. And like I said, choosing little things to test, not saying oh, I'm gonna, you know, go and spend my savings on, you know, a t-shirt company when you just don't know that's gonna work. I, I guess it's this idea that things things change and you don't have to well you never fail until you stop right so my idea of you know being a hundred percent self-sufficient of like the creative introvert that's still going um, but it's gonna take different things and the idea of doing the same thing I've always done obviously isn't gonna get me there there's always gonna be something new that will take me on to the next level so I think there's part of me, maybe it's just general curiosity, which I think all creative people share, um, to kind of keep trying new things. So the how can change, but your why, my reasons for kind of setting up a self-sufficient business, um, that's not gonna shift. And I can kind of still play around with the ways I'm gonna do that um, without ever failing, because I'm not quitting on the why, if that makes sense. <laughs> what, what is it that you enjoy most, would you say, about being self-employed? The flexibility. I mean, honestly, we've, I guess in the UK we've just had some uh, very nice weather and yesterday I decided that nothing on my to-do list looked that fun. And I had maybe one appointment in the morning and other than that I was free to do what I wanted to do. And basically I used the um, uh, management tool Asana yes. and so I just dragged all of my things to do that day until tomorrow <laughs> and um, ate an ice cream on the beach and it was very nice. And being able to do stuff like that, which to be fair, I've only in the last year, I'd say, been comfortable with that. And I've always been very, um, I think since those early days of freelancing, realizing how important routine and structure and to-do lists and all of that are for me. And I still am a very organized person, but to have that flexibility um, has been everything. I think that's what I always wanted from day one. I just didn't really, I think I needed to learn how to manage myself effectively first to let myself have that freedom in a way. Yeah. It's been a bit of a learning process for me. And what are the negatives? What, what don't you enjoy about being self-employed? Taxes. Um, no, genuinely numbers are still not a strong point of mine. I'll avoid them to the end. And it has, do you do your own tax returns? I still do, yeah. yes. But I'm, I just set up a limited company the other day, so I'm sort of thinking there's going to be a limit literally on my um, ability to do that. I will say the Prince's Trust and any kind of um, those accelerator programs, I think there are some in Brighton and around, they've been really helpful for just giving advice on that. So I think if I was to look at it further, of course there'd be enough people who would be able to help me with that. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I just don't want to do that. So of course I would ultimately want to hire somebody. Other things, um, I think it is being able, you are your own boss and sure there are briefs that I'll get from clients because I still do um, design work and um, sort of marketing strategy with people but especially with the creative introvert I have to be the one to call the shots on what am I going to focus on next am I going to you know relaunch the League of Creative Introverts or am I going to create a new project um, how much time am I going to spend on this so if you're indecisive and I think we all are at certain points um, having the kind of guts to kind of go down a route and I think accept full responsibility for that. That can be challenging. Um, but again, it always feels like these are all like really, really valuable lessons. I think one of my God, I, I find it really hard to <laughs> find anything bad about it because I always end up turning it into a, a, mm -hmm. a, a, an advantage. But 
I think all of these challenging things about being freelance or having your own business, they're always beneficial in other ways. And because I'm really into personal development, I'm always like, well, this is a lesson to be learned, you know? Uh, so that, there's always that. A lot of students, even now with so much sort of career advice out there and the social media, there are some that are building their own kind of brands whilst they're students, but a lot of them still wait until like the end of the third year until they start thinking about what they're then going to go and do and how they're going to make some money. It, let's say, I don't know if you were in that position when you were uni, but if you could advise yourself back then or you could advise students now on what they can do to prepare themselves for graduation, are there any tips that you could give? So I wish I'd done more. I feel like I was a massive slacker in my first year, a bit of a slacker in my second year, and um, in my third year I tried to do it all and maybe too much. So I tried to work really hard at my, my uni work and my final year project, but I was also getting really interested in um, illustration and design that people were doing online. So I was becoming more and more inspired by all of these creatives who did have great portfolios and great shops online. So I was making a lot of, you know, work in my spare time, just for fun really, and I had a friend who makes music and I would make t-shirts and designs for him and all of that. I wouldn't say that it detracted from my uni work, but I probably did put a bit too much pressure on myself in that year um, because I felt the pressure of graduating. So had I just kind of started dabbling in that earlier, I think I could have both developed my style a bit more, learned more about what I wanted to do, and I think you can never start too soon. So I think, I, I do want to say to people, like obviously have fun at uni, it's, I think it sounds like there is more pressure on students now more than ever because of the fees and all of that, but it, the biggest thing I probably took away from it was these kind of like real life lessons and you know, um, it kind of developed me as a person and you know, just being with friends, uh, that was a really big part of it for me, so it's not like I would change that, but yeah, you, you can't start too soon on these things and um, I think, but at the same time know that things will change, so uh, for me especially like things have developed so much and you know at some point I did decide hey actually illustration isn't lighting me up as much as it did or at least not the business of it um, and maybe I can I still bring it into my work in other ways and I last year I made a little comic called intro cats which is about an introverted cat and you know like little things like that will probably always be a part of my work now so yeah start now <laughs> but maybe don't expect that to be the thing um, these are all learning experiences. Uh, is there anyone that's sort of inspired you particularly in your, not just in your work and your life, but in your life in general? Mm. Oh, I mean, it's really stereotypical, maybe not for my demographic, but um, Tim Ferriss, obviously I, I listen to his podcast and his books have been really helpful, um, particularly the four hour work week, which is about a decade old, but it's still got useful concepts in it. Um, and that appeals to my quite um, type A brain. But then I remember being very, very influenced by these um, sort of poster and t-shirt designers from when I was at university, people like God Machine and Hydro 74. And there are all these people who I um, looked up to a lot then and made me realise these people are just real people who have made a living out of their artwork and are showing it to people online. And I think just seeing the possibilities that are out there. Um, who else is inspiring? 
I read, I just read a lot of personal development books, to be honest, and I recently got really into the work of Carl Jung. <laughs> I mean, my, my, my interests are very diverse, and I think that I let it all affect, um, influence me. And I think in the early days, especially after graduating, um, I don't think I was letting my interests merge as much. Whereas now I'm like, yeah, let's bring it all in and see how these worlds can collide. And interestingly, that, that's ranged from client work, um, and, it, and it's really unpredictable. You, you don't know how these things are going to come out. And it might just be in a meeting with the client and you both talk about some podcast you're listening to or a book that you're reading. And you can really use that or at least have a good chat about it. So, um, uh, yeah. And as a kid, I, I watched a lot of... spent most of my time watching cartoons. Um, and even now, that those the style and like the colours and everything, is still influencing me today. So favorite cartoons? I love the Rugrats. Ren and Stimpy. Oh my God, Ren and Stimpy. That should still be um, everywhere. Um, yeah. So all of the Nickelodeon cartoons in the nineties were were my jam. Just to finish off, um, that horrible classic interview question: Where do you see yourself in ten years' time? I um, love this, and ten years is uh, long wild because this has been the first year to that I've been less specific about my goals for the year and the five years and all of that. Um, and I've started to um, be a bit more loose with that. But I still have this vision um, of being totally location dependent. Because at the moment, the downside to my great little community in Brighton is that it's making me feel even more, not tied down, but you know, why would I want to leave this place where I've got all of these great connections and stuff like that. But ultimately, I do love to travel. So being able to pick up and you know move around that's really great and uh, the creative introvert I, I do want to be I want to make sure that that is self-sufficient at the same time I know that I always like my finger in multiple pies at least three <laughs> things three kind of going on at one point um, and the other thing that I'm sort of interested in is having a introvert friendly co-working space which sounds a bit of a contradiction in terms but uh, I know that a lot of freelancers, and especially the introverts I speak to, we struggle. Like certain coffee shops aren't ideal for obvious reasons that the, maybe the baristas don't like, like you there. But even if they do, the music might be a bit loud, or there'll be a screaming child, and it, it's not ideal. And a lot of co-working spaces, which are popping up more and more as more people are going uh, freelance or self-employed, and I'm finding that a lot of them aren't suited. They just feel like being back in an office place because you're on an open plan floor um, and that can be quite draining. So I like this idea of having a place of like little booths and uh, little, yeah. So you can still have a community, but uh, have your own space too. Great, okay, Kat, thanks very much for sharing all your tips and experiences. Welcome. So that was Kat. If you regard yourself as an introvert, I'm sure that was both interesting and inspiring. You can find Kat at thecreativeintrovert.com. To find out more about Be Purple and all the support that we provide to University of Brighton students and graduates, go to bepurple.co.uk, where you can also sign up for our free email newsletter. So that brings us to the end of this first series of Founder Chats with Be Purple. Let me know what you think. Let me know what kind of entrepreneurs you'd like to hear from in our next series, and let me know how we can help you more and answer the questions and challenges that you face in your startup journey. Reach me on bepurple at brighton.ac.uk. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I hope to see you soon for the next series of Founder Chats. Bye.